You are listening to the IoT for All Media Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IoT for All podcast on the IoT for All Media Network. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon, one of the co-creators of IoT for All. Now, before we jump into this episode, please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or join our newsletter at iotforall.com slash newsletter to catch all the newest episodes as soon as they come out. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the IoT for All podcast. Welcome, Hardy, to the IT for All show. How are things going? Good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, this is like a welcome back. You were here, I think it was like 50 some episodes in. We're now into the hundreds. Um, back, uh, you know, talking about some other stuff um, way back then. So, so it's great to have you back. Looking forward to this conversation. Uh, let's let's start off with kind of giving a quick introduction to our audience a little bit. You know, those who may not be familiar with you, uh, with who you are, talk about your background experience, you know, how you ended up at Kodelsky, and uh, and then we'll get more into kind of the Kodelsky side. Sure. Thank you. It's a pleasure to to be back. And yeah, I'm Hardy Schmidbauer. I'm the uh, senior vice president of the Kodelsky uh, group and specifically uh, of the Kodelsky IoT division. My history in, in IoT, I, I started, uh, you know, uh, designing uh, back cordless phones a, lo- a long time ago and, and doing a lot of those chipsets designs. Moved into the sub gigahertz wireless space, um, targeting a lot of applications which are considered now IoT and, and smart metering and consumer products and, and garage door openers. Then I moved over to, to Semtech and, and worked uh, a lot on the, the early uh, strategy and definition of, of LoRa. Um, built the original uh, LoRa ecosystem, which eventually became the, the LoRa Alliance. Um, I did a startup for, for two years from 2016 to 2018. Um, and that was acquired by, by Semtech. Um, in the startup, we were developing IoT solutions for um, asset tracking and, and lot management, as well as um, a consumer solution uh, for, for tracking and for, for home security. I joined uh, Kudelski uh, last April um, and, and very excited about the, the tools and the company inside of, of Kudelski um, and the potential that we have uh, within the IoT market as it emerges. Fantastic. Um, yeah, let's dive in a little bit more to the Kodelsky side and talk about the role you all play in IoT and kind of how you're offering, um, at least from the IoT side, because I know it's a large organization uh, kind of across the security landscape, but on the IoT side, kind of how your approach differs and your offerings differ than other security companies um, in the market and just kind of do, you know, general philosophy behind how you guys handle um, working with customers. Sure. You know, I, I joked that Kodelsky is is the, the biggest company that, that nobody's ever heard of, but it's it's a super interesting company and a super interesting history. And I think it's important to share a little bit about that history to understand, um, you know, where our expertise comes from in, in IoT. Um, so within uh, Kodelsky, there are four main uh, divisions. We have our digital television business unit, uh, which is a, a leader in, in uh, conditional access uh, systems for TV networks. So we secure a, a lot of the, the large global t- TV networks and the content over those networks. Um, Dish is one of our largest customers today. So if you've uh, used Dish at all, uh, we have technology in, in that set-top box um, and is uh, securing the entire network. Uh, we have a cybersecurity division, which does uh, manage security services um, for many large corporations and, and governments and, and uh, utilities. Um, and then we have our public access, access division. Uh, which does um, access control solutions for uh, large venues, for stadiums, for for parking, and for ski resorts. So if you've a skier and you've gone to any Vail resorts, you're typically going through uh, Kodelsky uh, systems and the technology behind how your ticket is generated um, is also coming from Kodelsky. 
So with those, you know, that history, we have a, you know, a, a long history and, and expertise in security. You know, we've been fighting um, piracy and and hacking in the TV industry for for over 20 years, um, and really, you know, actively having to fight that and have countermeasures and and deal with issues, I think has has given tremendous expertise uh, to the team. Um, and now a lot of that team and a lot of the R&D focus um, is now shifted over to IoT. And we're applying those same concepts that we've learned and, and had to develop over the past you know, 20 years and in those other um, divisions, now applying that to IoT. And I think you know, we're really on the, the forefront of large volumes in IoT. And I think also in, in needing and and having you know much uh, tighter security standards uh, within IoT to ensure that the IoT solutions can scale and be secure um, as the volumes ramp up. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. I appreciate kind of that the, the insights there on on how you all work and operate. Um, one thing that you know we've had a bunch of security experts on the show recently, and uh, I do want to get into more of a kind of a use case conversation because I know there's something you know some interesting uh, or an interesting application that you all kind of bring into the market that you want to talk about here in a second. But before we do that, I want to ask a couple. Of level questions that just to get your opinion and take on that are kind of commonly asked from um, a lot of the IoT people that I'm speaking with. But one of them is when it comes to security on the IoT front, um, there seems to be a general lack of kind of concern for security. And I wanted to ask you kind of why that's an issue and how do companies really stay on top of kind of the the latest security threats uh, on the IoT front? Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the the challenges with with security is depending on who you ask, you you get a different answer, or you're you're guaranteed to to get a different answer. Um, and a lot of it really depends, and that's you know our philosophy inside of Kedelsi. It's not a one size fits all approach, right? There are going to be different security requirements for a, a cat tracker, you know, versus a, a smart meter um, or a medical device. Um, so you really need to look at each application uh, individually, uh, define you know what is needed um, for a security uh, threat assessment you know for that that solution, and then architect and design uh, towards that. I agree. There, there's kind of been a, a a lack of you know concern for security within IoT, uh, but just since I've joined Kadelsky, I've seen that change uh, rapidly. And and security is is typically not an issue and until it's a problem, um, but then but then it's too late. But we're seeing you know a lot of you know good education across the market. A lot of people having a better understanding and, and requirements for security, and you're seeing you know NIST and other organizations also you know publishing a, a lot of new uh, requirements or guidelines for, for security, which I think is is doing a lot to educate the market on what is really needed uh, for security within IoT. That's fantastic. Yeah. And have you seen um, kind of COVID play a role or have you seen COVID kind of play a role in, in the security landscape as far as, um, you know, the last year or so uh, affecting things from your standpoint? I mean, I think COVID is accelerating a, a lot of the, the IoT solutions or, or say some IoT solutions. You know, it's kind of forcing that, that digital transformation um, in some industries more rapidly, maybe than they would have organically uh, done, you know, with, without COVID. And I think that, you know, that is, you know, um, you know, that transformation is also, you know, raising up concerns um, and requirements about security as well. So, yes, I think, you know, inadvertently, COVID is also kind of, you know, helping to drive uh, forward kind of the security importance uh, within a lot of these uh, IoT solutions that are maybe being accelerated uh, due to COVID. 
Okay, great. Yeah, we've kind of, it's been an interesting kind of ride this last year. Or so, um, so getting everybody's kind of perception from their own, own viewpoints, been an interesting, um, kind of piece to talk about now. I do want to kind of transition here quickly to talking more about use cases. Um, we've kind of pivoted the focus of our show a little bit to focus more on, you know, real life examples of how companies are adopting and implementing IOT. So, um, I would love for you to kind of talk us through, um, you know, uh, uh, the, the most recent or the most exciting kind of use case you have going on right now, a uh, solution that you have out in the market, or maybe you're coming to the market and talk us through kind of what that is and how it works. Sure. So with, within Kodelsky IoT, we have uh, three main uh, product lines. We have our our IoT services, which we do security assessments and design services, uh, mainly around around security. Um, so we do a lot of assessments uh, for the major semiconductor companies, really evaluating the, their silicon, as well as in evaluating the security of the entire solution. Then we have our IoT system, which is Keystream, which is really, you know, how, how to secure devices and, and IoT solutions from provisioning through remote feature authorization through uh, secure firmware updates over the air, uh, the, the full uh, security lifecycle um, of a device. So we have a solution for that. And then, you know, what I'm, I'm very excited uh, to announce is uh, we're also developing complete um, IoT solutions. Um, and the first solution that we're just launching now is, is called Recover. And that's a, a dealership lot management solution and consumer uh, theft recovery solution. So, so yeah, so take me through that. There's, there sounds like there's two pieces there, the, the consumer side and the dealer side. So kind of how does that work in, together and then how do they work independently? Sure. So we we provide the the dealer the the lot management solution. So while the cars were on lot and in inventory on the dealership, we provide them a a free lot management solution. So they can be able to keep track of their inventory, find cars quickly for uh, interested buyers. Um, you know, be able to get reductions. Um, you know, off their insurance and also really become more efficient and optimize their workflow of when they receive cars uh, to when they're sold through. Uh, to the consumer, as the <clears throat> the dealerships sell the the car, um, they will also uh, sell to the consumer uh, the theft recovery solution, and that, so it kind of changes modes um, from a, a lot management solution to a consumer uh, theft recovery solution. Um, on the consumer side, the solution can also be used to you know find my car uh, if you can't remember where you parked at the airport. Um, or if your your car is stolen, or if you just want to basically lock the location, um, which is another way to basically geofence uh, your your vehicle. So if you're going to be on vacation, or um, you want uh, any kind of alert, immediate text or email, um, if your car is moved unexpectedly, uh, you can get that kind of alert um, directly to your to your mobile or to your email. Could you technically set a large enough geofence that if you gave your car to, say, a, a child of yours and they drove outside of the geofence, you'd be alerted? So uh, we're not doing that feature. Uh, the more more the feature that we are focusing in on is the the lock the location. Um, so get an immediate alert if your car is moved um, unexpectedly. So if mm-hmm. you more go away for the weekend and you don't want your uh, son to drive your a sports car, right? You you would put the the lock the location in to ensure that the the vehicle is not moved. 
so so take me through kind of the the minds or I guess the the thought process that went into the solution. You know, where did it come from? What is the problem that, you know, is out in the market that maybe a lot of the people listening are unaware of? Um, you can talk both sides, you know, the dealership side as well as the uh, the consumer side, because obviously people are familiar with other theft recovery solutions like they've heard of Lojack and things like that. But from when you all kind of started venturing down this path of building this solution, what was the opportunity that you saw? You know, what was the problem that you, you kind of saw an opportunity to solve? Um, and how does it really compare to other available options on the market? Sure. So, um, you know, when we started to look at, at this uh, market and we kind of identified a few things, um, you know, a lot of the solutions that are available today are, are rather kind of um, old from a, a technology standpoint. Um, and, and also the, the business models we didn't really see were uh, efficient you know, for, for the dealers or for those companies. So we really wanted to uh, disrupt on the technology side um, and also disrupt you know, on the business side to make it you know, much more profitable, much more efficient um, for the dealers as well, as well as a solution I think that can scale you know, much easier um, across the market. So you know, on, the, on the dealer side... Uh, Lojack, which has been in the in the market for a long time, and everybody knows, you know, they have announced that they're shutting down operations. Um, but that that solution was, you know, developed a long time ago, and it's it uses a uh, uses a proprietary network. So there's a big cost to, you know, keeping that network up to date. Um, from you know installing the equipment in the police cars and having power leases and and keeping that up to date, there's a big infrastructure cost, you know, and that made sense, you know, back when when cellular coverage, you know, wasn't good and wasn't reliable. But now with cellular coverage, really that the cost of a proprietary separate network is is really unnecessary overhead. Um, also, you know, most of the solutions today are are wired in. Um, and, and we felt that we could do a, a very efficient, very cost-effective uh, standalone device, which is battery-operated, um, you know, not connected at all to the, to the car system. When you wire the uh, existing trackers into the, the vehicle, there's, a, of course, a cost associated with that. It takes some you know, 30 to 45 minutes of labor to install those. Um, and then a lot of times they they don't have time to remove them when the consumer buys the car. Um, typically, when you buy a car, you've been there longer than than you want to be, and you're ready to leave. And so a lot of times they they don't sell the solution to the consumer. They end up just leaving uh, the device in the in the car and and disabling it and and taking a loss. So I think you know our goal was to you know have something battery operated that can be provisioned and installed you know in in less than a minute and also removed if it doesn't sell to the consumer in, in less than a minute. So you avoid that kind of burden and overhead um, of doing the the wired inversion. A lot of the uh, car manufacturers now are also voiding the warranty on anything that is wired in. And, and they're also super concerned on, in electric vehicles about anything being wired into the, the battery. So they actually don't allow it. Uh, most car manufacturers won't allow a, a wired in solution on an electric vehicle or a hybrid vehicle. Interesting. So, so how long does this device last? If you know you're saying it's it's not wired in, so it's not pulling from the battery of the of the vehicle. It's obviously a standalone, um, you know, power source. What's the the life expectancy of these devices? And I would assume it's relatively easy to change the battery in and out if it dies. Um. Yeah. So, so that's critical, and I and I think you know that's you know where our you know expertise and and history you know gives us a big advantage as well as. 
you know, the really the both from the dealership and the consumer, the the user experience um, with devices, you know, everybody kind of expects, you know, very instantaneous feedback um, from apps and from devices now. Um, you know, I think thanks to, you know, what Apple has has done over, over the years. So, yeah, we've de- designed the device for a, a five year um, battery lifetime, but we still check in. We still check in very frequently with the network, so that we can have that proper user experience, you know, for the consumer and and for the dealers. So with the uh, the dealers, it's it's really from their perspective, it's it's real time tracking. Um, you know, we update the position, you know, every time the the vehicle um, is moved. So from their perspective, whenever they go to look for a location. It'll show basically real time from their perspective, you know, where that vehicle is. On the uh, on the consumer side, um, we were very conscious about privacy. Um, you know, in our consumer consumer interviews, you know, privacy and the fear of of being tracked um, is is very high on on consumers' concerns. Um, so we only update the position when requested by the consumer. So if they if they request uh, the position of their vehicle. Uh, if they forgot where they parked or they put it into theft recovery, then we start to um, update the position. Um, but outside of that, we still check in very frequently you know, with the network um, so that we can have that proper user experience and set that expectation when the consumer of how long it's going to take uh, before their position will be updated. And I think that's that's critical to you know not having the, the wired in solution where you have essentially you know uh, the battery lifetime. Um, the a very large battery to 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 draw from, but still being able to deliver really the the user experience needed uh, to be successful in the market, while having the engineering capability to design something um, that has uh, a very long uh, battery lifetime and is extremely low power. So, in your um, in your conversations during your research phase with customers, what um, what were their thoughts on kind of the current offerings in the market and I guess what were the big takeaways from that that caused you know certain decisions to be made on the recover uh, solution? Um, sure. So I mean, there a, a lot of you know from our consumer surveys, you know, a, a lot of consumers are you know concerned about theft, and I think we've seen you know a, a big increase in theft, you know, in in the COVID environment uh, for for various reasons. Um, so it is a a rising kind of a demand from consumer for theft recovery solutions. Um, you know, within the the market, um, you know, most important things for them, you know, were the the usability, you know, of the of the solution, um, the theft recovery, you know, being able to you know work easily and with law enforcement, um, you know, through the uh, recover call center, the you know financial benefits for insurance and for the warranty um, if your car is stolen also ranked very high. And I think the the other features we have in there to make it very simple and easy to use are also going to be you know very attractive uh, to the consumers compared to to what they have uh, today in the market. So, what are those extra? What, you know, I guess what are the the insurance and um, kind of warranty benefits that you get as a consumer? I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, aside from obviously the functionality of it, what are the other reasons people would purchase this solution? Sure. So if their their car is uh, stolen and not recovered, we provide them you know five thousand dollars cash towards a, a new car, okay. um, and we, and we oh, wow. also pay uh, one thousand dollars towards their deductible on their insurance. Okay. Interesting. That sounds fantastic. So basically, the way this works is, if you were to purchase this um, when you buy a car, uh, new or used, I assume it could be either one, um, and you would then disconnect 
the tracking ability of the dealer. So the dealer has no insight into where this car is or any kind of data collected after it is sold. Um, and then as a user, when it, it, there's no tracking being done until I go into the mobile app and click, Hey, find my car or my car is stolen. And then alerts authorities and kind of goes through that process, goes up to, um, you know, you know, basically reaches out and tries to to find the actual vehicle. But other than that, it's not tracking where you are driving. And then if for some unfortunate reason, the car is stolen, there is a $5,000 cash, um, kind of uh, warranty applied to this and then also covering the $1,000 of the, the deductible on the, of the, uh, the consumer side. Okay. Interesting. And um, um, I guess uh, th- let me ask kind of a question a little before the sale, when you're talking to dealers and obviously a free lot management solution sounds fantastic. Um, how are they viewing the, uh, potential of this being a sell through item through, you know, I, I assume it happens kind of after the car is sold more in the, the, uh, when you're working on the financing and, and those pieces of the, the car buying process, how are dealers kind of responding to this solution and seeing this as something that they also can, I'm assuming, you know, obviously they care about making money off of it so that to be something that they offer to their um, customers. Yeah. So, you know, dealerships are, are making a lot of their profit off of the products that they sell and, and F and I and, and through service. So, so they're very interested in, in products like this because uh, it can, it can have a big okay. Im- impact on their profitability and their financial performance in the dealership. So pretty much we see, you know, all the dealerships are interested in these types of solutions. And they're, they're also extremely interested in, in lot management and becoming okay. more efficient, but typically don't want to pay for it, right? You know, they're, they're really trying to, you know, optimize their financials um, and having to pay, you know, for another, you know, basically a management software is, is hard for, for many of them to accept. So we think we found a, a very disruptive business model where, you know, we help them, uh, you know, provide, uh, you know, lot management and, and make the dealership much more efficient, really at, at no cost to them. Um, and they get a, a revenue source by when they sell it through to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're getting, you know, great feedback and, and great traction already, you know, from the, the dealership community um, about our model. And, and also, I think it's, it's uh, welcoming, you know, to have uh, Kodelsky, a, a billion dollar technology and security leader, you know, standing behind the solution and having 24-7 support and, and call centers. And I think a, a top quality product that consumers are, are really going to like. It makes it much easier for them to, you know, also uh, feel comfortable with, with us uh, developing the solution and, and being their partner and making sure that the consumers are happy uh, with the solution as well. And um, so what's the I guess, general um, kind of go-to-market approach from your all's end? Um, you know, kind of just going to from dealer to dealer, dealer groups, you know, group uh, organizations that represent lots of dealers and just pushing it out and getting into as many dealers as possible? Correct. So yeah, we're, we're in the, the process of, uh, you know, contacting, you know, individual dealers and, and many dealer groups, as well as setting up channels as well of, of companies that, you know, offer, you know, services and products into dealers. Um, so we're in the process of, of setting all that up. Uh, we're going to announce uh, the solution at NADA, and then we'll start to deploy dealerships okay. um, at the end of March and you know, already have a, a high volume of, of parts with our contract manufacturer um, through the, the end of the year secured uh, to help ramp up the solution. 
So, and then from a um, consumer side of things, is there a cost to use this outside of the initial purchase, or is it something that is in, you basically pay a flat all-in cost and then it's good and forever? Or how does that work? Yeah, great question. I meant to mention that earlier, so thanks for asking that. No, it, it's a uh, there's no monthly fees. It's an it's an all-in cost, and that comes with the three okay. years of of service. Uh, for the solution. And, and once that's over, um, they can go back to the dealer and, and repurchase a, a new device to be placed in their car. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Well, that's fantastic. Um, and I, by time people listen to this, I assume this will be, it'll probably be out, but is there, when is the, uh, when is the event, the NADA event? Is that coming up soon? Yes, that will happen uh, next week. NADA is the oh, North American uh, Dealers Association show. Uh, which uh, was supposed to happen in person okay. in in uh, in, in uh, New Orleans, but this year yeah. it's virtual as as most trade shows are. Fantastic, and uh, I assume this works in any vehicle, any kind of you know anything they want, any car that needs to be tracked. And is there, in your mind, I guess we're in the team's mind. You don't have to go into too many details here, but is there kind of a kind of a feature rollout plan down the line that these devices would then be able to kind of get over the air updates on, or is it something that it would need a new device in order to get a new feature set if you decided to kind of do a version two point no, so I mean, I think that that's you know one of the you know the the, the benefits of of Kodelsky is you know, the the engineering talent and especially the software uh, engineering talent that we have within the company is is you know better than I've seen anywhere else in in the technology industry okay. in in my career. So you know we we are utilizing you know all of our own uh, kind of products and solutions. So we're using our our Keystream solution in the the design so we we really have uh security integrated from the beginning uh we have firmware over the air updates you know everything is is already integrated into the design um so that we can you know make adjustments and do remote feature authorization or change of owner ownership and uh, zero touch provisioning you know all of those kind of features are already you know designed um, and integrated into the device Okay. And last question, I guess it's more of a opportunity to like kind of give a final push for, for what this is uh, to the audience. If I'm a consumer out there about to buy a car and I get presented with this opportunity, why should I consider putting the recover tracker and app um, kind of in my car and on my phone? Uh, you know, why is it something that I should strongly consider? Well, I think it's a, it's a great solution just to give you peace of mind, um, as a consumer. Um, and then I think, you know, if you're in the event, your, your vehicle is stolen or you occasionally forget, you know, where you're parked, um, you can immediately, you know, determine the, the location of your, of your vehicle. Um, and then of course the financial benefits, right. If your car is stolen, right. As I think it's a, is a good, um, insurance policy, right. Um, that's, that's well worth the, the cost, um, to the solution, to the dealer. I just, one thing I just thought about as you've been kind of explaining this is how big is the kind of the theft recovery theft, you know, from with automobiles, how big of a, of a deal is that? Cause obviously, you know, some people live in areas where maybe it's not as much of a, of a concern for them, but I'm sure it's obviously a big enough problem for a company of your size to take on and launch a solution to the market. Can you kind of put it into perspective, kind of, you know, how big of a problem this actually is? I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a very big market, right? I mean, if you look at, you know, how many cars are sold in the, in the U S you know, how many uh, cars are stolen in, in the U S 
um, you know, it's, it's a very big problem today. And I think a, a very big market, uh, when you look at, you know, the volume of just looking at the U S market alone, not even considering other geographies, um, you know, it's, it's a very big market. I think there were over just new cars. There are over 17 million new cars. That's not including, uh, used cars. And, you know, there's also, you know, a, roughly a, a car stolen every second. Um, so in the, in the time that we've talked about this for a couple of seconds, there's already been 10 cars stolen. So it, it is a, a very big, you know, I think problem and in, in, in becoming a, a bigger problem, I think due to some of the economic, you know, problems that we're having, you know, coming out of, uh, that are caused by COVID. Yeah, that's, um, that's very interesting to learn. Cause I would have, have not have any much any idea of kind of how big of an issue that is. Um, so I appreciate kind of these insights and ex- explaining the solution that you have coming to market. Um, my goal is to, is to have this episode be out pretty much the week you all launch. So it should, by the time you're listening to this, um, you should be able to find out more about the, the recover solution. Um, what's the best way for our audience to connect with either Kudelski or learn more about the recover solution, I guess is the, the question I'm, I'm asking. Sure. Uh, we can reach out uh, via recover.biz or on Kadelski IoT. Uh, you can contact us through there and uh, someone from the organization will, will give you an immediate response back um, if you have any interest in the solutions of Kadelski IoT or in the Recover product. Now, let me ask if if I went to my dealer to buy a car and they did not have this as an option, is that something I could buy after? Afterwards, directly from you, or is it something that I would have to kind of lobby my dealer to get? No, we are only selling it through the the dealers. Um, as we ramp up, though, we will, you know, uh, be able to direct you to dealers that offer it. Um, if your dealer doesn't, and you could purchase it through through that dealer. Okay, fantastic. Um, well, again, Hardy, I appreciate your time. This has been a fantastic learning experience for me and our audience to understand another great uh, IoT solution out in the market for consumers to get their hands on, and obviously, and for dealers to get their hands on um, to to benefit their organization as well. So, so I appreciate your time, and I wish you the best of luck with with this launch. It sounds like a fantastic option, and um, you know, very confident in your all's ability to to pull this off, bring it to market and, and scale it just as, you know, uh, what we're all trying to achieve to, to benefit the IOT space as a whole. So I appreciate it. All right. Great. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right, everyone. Thanks again for joining us this week on the IOT for all podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave us a rating or review and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on whichever platform you're listening to us on. Also, if you have a guest you'd like to see on the show, please drop us a note at ryan.iotforall.com and we'll do everything we can to get them as a featured guest. Other than that, thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.